Hello, and welcome to another episode of Observe and Report. This is the show where we see things and we tell you about them. And I am one of your hosts, Jason Simmons, sitting across from me, as usual, Jack Smith. Hello. And we're going to do it today. All right, guys? This oh, is, yeah, we are. This is, we're going to tell you about the things that we saw. And also, this probably the last one of 2019. Yeah. I'm and- on cold medicine. <laughs> I forgot to put the microphone in the stand. I forgot the stands. It's a strong start over on this side of the table. As long as we're go- we just start, that's it. You know, finish strong. All right, finish this decade strong. All the things that have happened in 2010 and 2019. Oh, this decade, yeah. It's over, you know? Oof. You know, a lot of shows are probably doing like decade in review, year in review. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Nah, we're not going to do that. We're just going to tell you about what we saw recently. Last couple of weeks. Yeah. Keep it simple. I didn't think about that. You know, we're here for what you, we are going to do what you like. All right. We're here for what you're used to. Okay. And also maybe we didn't think of it. So that's fine too. <laughs> Just you know what's fine. great? Not changing. <laughs> what am I going to change in 2020? Nothing. It's the future. I can do whatever I want, okay? It is the actual future in 2020. Let's do this. Let's do it. What have we seen? Uh, I'll start off. I will, I will start off with a thing that I saw in theaters. Something I was looking forward to in a big, bad way. Um, I saw Knives Out. Me too. We can both talk about this. Nice. Um, I thought it was okay for the most part. Um, I, I, I liked it. However, I just thought it was like one big ridiculous Rube Goldberg machine of like all these ridiculous moving parts to get to a very simple point. And it just felt like, you know what? It's fine. It's entertaining watching this machine go, but it it just felt very roundabout and very convoluted to get to the, to get to the main point. And of course, Knives Out being, uh, the movie directed by, uh, by Ryan Johnson, um, Starring Daniel Craig and Anna de Armas and everybody, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis, Don Johnson, um, Chris Evans, uh, what's his face, Michael Sheen, Michael Shannon, yes, yep. not Michael Sheen, um, and yeah, it had an amazing cast. Um, the other detective guy. Oh, uh, Lakeith Sandfield. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some lust in your voice. There. Always. <laughs> um, but no, a huge cast. Mm-hmm. Um. And it told a really fun murder mystery story. I was expecting something more like Clue. And I think overall I was expecting more of an ensemble performance. Um, I was really expecting those characters to, like, you know, interact and have all this double crossing and, like, you know, these interesting relationships that you get to see play out. But that wasn't really the case. Like, it was more about the story of how it all gets played out, I guess, and not so much about the characters. Um, And a lot of it rests on the shoulders of uh, Anadarmus. Um, and Daniel Craig, um, who work pretty well together, and you can see them again in the next Bond movie that comes out in a few months, or rather next year. Yeah, I can't remember when it comes out next year. May? I think so. I think May. It's going to be a summer yeah. film, I think. Um, Jason, you clearly don't watch a lot of murder mysteries, because <laughs> if you did, like me, you'd know that this is how every murder mystery goes. <laughs> It's very formulaic. It worked. Um, I think I enjoyed it more than you did because I got to watch Lakeith Stanfield and Chris Evans just walking around being handsome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jason, this is my <laughs> kind of movie. Um, Anna Armas is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed her performance. Um, I enjoyed it overall. It mm-hmm. was what I expected. Um, yeah, nothing too crazy. Oh, who is the... 
patriarch of the family. Oh, Christopher Plummer. Amazing. Um, I like seeing him and stuff. I uh, haven't seen him since Dracula 2000. Oh, uh, <laughs> Christopher Plummer looks like he's always been the same age. Like, he looks like he's been 75 yeah. for the last 20 years. Yeah. Which is no slight against him. Like, that's impressive. He's yeah. remained the same. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there were, I mean, to, to say much more would spoil things, I think. Um, I enjoyed Jamie Lee Curtis and Tony Collette's uh, I, performances. They I were wanted more a of them. different than what they're used, to, than what I'm used to seeing them in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fun. I, and I, also the clothes were killer. Everything is very well Pun costumed. intended. <laughs> um everyone's dressed amazingly yeah. the sets the, the set is mm. really good the house is cool the house is very cool um there were just some really funny things that happened in there about privilege mm. and uh the idea of legacy and all that stuff which really i don't know i think the movie has some very fun things to say about that mm. um and i think that's a maybe a theme of ryan johnson in general that he just doesn't like lineage and legacy as evidenced in star wars oh yeah <laughs> um and evidence in this pretty well um but yeah, this is Ryan Johnson's wheelhouse. I think he went back to something that he enjoys doing as opposed to this huge, huge gigantic franchise thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he likes mysteries. He likes detective stories. And this is him definitely flexing that muscle. Definitely doing his feels like a Poirot kind of thing going mm-hmm. on. Um, what else has he directed aside from that Star Wars movie? Um, the episodes of uh, Breaking Bad uh, Fly as well oh. as um, oh, thank you. The Train Robbery. Uh, okay, episode of Breaking cool. Bad, as well as the movie's Brick. Um, I haven't seen it. With Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, Looper with oh, okay. uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as well. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so he likes telling a mystery. He likes doing things involving crimes. Me too. <laughs> well, watching them. <laughs> Not doing them. I strictly abide by the law. Sure. <laughs> or does that is that what someone who doesn't that that's say. what a prime dun, suspect dun, dun. in a murder mystery would say guys i'm losing my mind <laughs> oh boy i'm so sorry <laughs> but what have you seen um i watched a movie that i knew wasn't gonna be good but i just i had to what was a movie You've never heard of it i wish you would tell me so i could judge it it's called radio flash radio flash i've not heard of that why would you? I'm pretty sure it's Canadian. <laughs> or actually, British? British Canadian? I don't know. As someone that enjoys Canada, go ahead. Mm. Drop it on me. Um, it has um, my guy, Dominic Monaghan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty much the only reason why I watched it. Also, it's like a post-apocalyptic thing, so I'm into it. Okay. Um, so Dominic Monaghan, it's weird when people who you kind of grew up with are now playing parents of like teenagers okay he's playing the parent of like a 15 year old girl that feels accurate that feels exactly right for oh, him oh it's so weird <laughs> um her name uh the actress's name is brighton charbino um will Patton is in it okay um my favorite movie of his is obviously Gone in 60 Seconds. He's great in that. Um, oh, he's so also good. great in Armageddon. He's always a man asking the questions that need to be asked in these yes, movies. Yes, he is, Jason. He's a point of logic, an anchor in a rough, terrible sea. He plays uh, the Dominic Monaghan's father-in-law, mm-hmm. who is, um, he's not a total nutbag. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> 
you're so, saying that like you're defending him at like a family dinner like your new boyfriend like he's not a total nutbag but, but he is into like um what's the word i'm looking for people who are like um preparing for the apocalypse oh like a prepper like a oh yeah doomsday prepper yeah, yeah. <laughs> um he's kind of one of those guys ish okay. um and so all of a sudden there's no electricity and like there's no water and stuff um and so they everything goes out and so they are like oh no what are we gonna do let's get to grandpa's house he's got it all figured out and so they hop in a car and they head to grandpa and of course things happen along the way are there weirdos you betcha there's weirdos jason there are always weirdos even though it's only been like a week so it's one week into the apocalypse it's probably like yeah it's not more it's not more than like a week so a father a son and a young girl have to get in the car and drive a father and his daughter father's daughter okay Mm -hmm. are trying to get to the father-in-law of Okay. Dominic Monaghan. I was going to say this almost sounds like that terrible. Uh, nope, it's not. <laughs> nope. For we, oh. The terrible Forrest Whitaker movie that oh, was on Netflix God. a year ago. The name of which I've never right healed now. from that film. And I don't think anyone else is going to see it ever again. It pops up on nothing on Netflix now. Oh, what was it called? Um, The happening, the, the events, the. Something about it being not the end or something. Because it didn't have an end, that yeah. movie. Um, um, so it's not that. Mm-hmm. It has a less infuriating ending, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's got weirdos. It's it's fine. It's I mean, don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was exactly what I was looking for and what I expected it to be. Um it's kind of a commentary on like our reliance upon technology. Okay. But also not really going into that too much. So they, they weren't sure what they were going for. They tried to give him a little <laughs> knock on the chin. Good job, buddy. Um, it was what it was. Did I spend like three ninety nine on it to rent it? Yeah. Ooh. Shut up. That's always the hard part. I'm sorry. I searched on every single platform to try to find it. <laughs> every single Why were you platform. trying to find it? Because I had seen it, and then I had seen the thumbnail, and was like, I'm intrigued. And then I didn't watch it, and I didn't watch it, and then I was like, where's that goddamn movie? <laughs> and I went back, and I found it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Shut up, Jason. You did this to yourself. I don't regret it. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you something I did not regret watching. Okay. Uh, Dollface. I watched Dollface on Hulu. Dollface. Um, that is the new series starring Kat Dennings on Hulu. Um, produced by Margot Robbie. Uh, Kat Dennings and, Bren- and Brenda Song. The basic oh. premise of the show being that Kat Dennings is a woman getting out of a relationship that she's been in for five years. Ugh. And is returning to her friends and is trying to figure out how to be a friend to her friends again. Uh, okay. And they're having like a... a their own experience of like accepting her back into their friend group. Okay. Um, it's it's interesting. It is very surreal in its presentation. It reminds me a lot of uh, Man Seeking Women. Um, Never saw it. It's very similar to it. In, like, it's about love, Jason. I haven't seen this shit. <laughs> this is not about love. This is about friendship. Um, and kind of rejecting like you know the idea of a traditional like one on one relationship. Like, okay. it's about her saying, "Fuck that. I'm better than that. Um, I actually need to rely on my friends now uh, in my life." And about her, like, building that and maintaining that. 
but it has some great moments um just like where they kind of like shame her for being like monogamous with a guy it's like so you've been to his yeah we'll be hanging out with him bad luck like and just trying like to get her to like be more open to more people um it's very funny they, the way they presented. shame her for being monogamous in the sense of this one woman thinks like oh no i'm like totally like a free spirit like i date anyone who i want to like we've been uh-huh. see- seeing the same guy for like four months like no he's away all the time yeah we've been staying in his place so he's like a photographer so you know long distance relationship with a guy you've been seeing for four months like and she's just like making all the things click in her head like oh my god i am a very monogamous person in a relationship Oh no! And she's just trying to figure out, like, no, I don't. I never wanted that for myself. How do I break free of that? Okay, it's better done than what I explained. Okay, um, but it has fun moments, like they're recreating, like you know, the Wizard of Oz, you know, at a at a rally that they're going to. Um, there's some weird things, like a lady with a cat head that comes up in her life that no. is just a representation of her cat, basically. No, <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. I think. I liked Cat Dunnings, and then I watched five minutes of Two Broke Girls. That's a terrible show. <laughs> and it was so good. fucking racist. I was like, oh, fuck you. Mm-hmm. And she didn't write it, but she did star in it. And I get it. You're an actress. You want a job. Mm-hmm. Like I get it, but also just like, No fuck this show it's terrible it's racist it plays into horrible stereotypes about people in like literally a five minute span they made fun of black people and asian people and i was just like great like oh but these two white girls like whatever fuck it and it's really left a bad taste in my mouth so even though i like cat denning she seems mm-hmm. funny and cool and whatever um i just i'm always dubious of whatever she's in now I'm just doing anything that's a 30-minute sitcom on CBS, where I'm oh, just like, well, yeah. this is going to be terrible across Baseline, the board, period. It's not going to be good, unless it's elementary. Oh, but Which is not a 30-minute sitcom. True. It's an hour, and it's a drama. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, not that I expected it to be good, mm-hmm. but you never know. And so I gave it a try, and was furious. Yeah, I know that I was not about that show at all. Yeah. <laughs> From just... A commercial from from just hearing the description of it. Oh, there's a a what audience? The audience is live. You say? Well, no, no, thank you. Oh, see, I didn't really know. I don't think I really went into it knowing exactly what it was about. Oh, okay. I think it was just kind of on. I was like, oh, well, I've heard a lot of you know, I've heard the name mentioned a lot, so mm-hmm. I stopped and regretted it. Mm. Fair enough. <laughs> but I'm glad you like this show. Yeah, it's all right. Um, but what else have you seen? Um, so. Because of the Disney Plus mm-hmm. and their vault of films, I was like, oh, all right, well, maybe I'll go back and watch some stuff um, and see if things hold up and whatnot. So I went back and watched 101 Dalmatians. Oh, the original animated film? or mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> no, the Glenn Close one, Jason. You could have totally done that. It has a, lot, it has a good cast. Isn't he Laurie in He that? is. <laughs> I can't remember who the other person is. <laughs> but, like, no. I mean, have I seen it? Yes. <laughs> Shut up. So I'll throw it out. The first of the live-action Disney remakes, uh, actually. Was it? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, at least that, like, Glenn Close, like, that's killer. And she was great as Carol mm-hmm. DeVille. I don't know why I'm all of a sudden defending this film. <laughs> um, 
I watched the original cartoon mm-hmm. and it was so freaking great, Jason. Like the art is gorgeous because if something is not animated, the background, it's all like very like um, pink and blue tones and it's kind of watercolory and mm-hmm. it's like really beautiful and it's art. And as much as I love like a Pixar film where things are like crisp and everything looks very real, it was nice to go back to like animation animation. Like a hand-drawn animated yeah, thing. Yeah, it has the charm of that and like the warmth of it kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very kind of whimsical and dreamy. Um, are there things in there that you're like, hmm, this wasn't past for today? There's a show that Horace and Jasper are watching before they're supposed to like hurt the puppies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called What's My Crime? <laughs> <laughs> and they have this doof on there who... It's a game show. It's like a cartoon on the mm-hmm. TV. It's a game show and there's contestants and they bring on this convict and they have like... 10 or 15 chances to get ask him like yes or no questions and then guess what his crime is and then at the end of it if they don't guess it he wins he still has to carry out his prison sentence but he gets a free <laughs> vacation after it that sounds fun that sounds like i don't know a simpsons cutaway joke or something it like that. was kind of funny um and i yeah you'd never see that because it's incredibly inappropriate um but it was funny in the movie and it's something that you totally goes over your head as a kid mm-hmm. um oh i'm sorry i'm sniffy um it's just something there they put in the, to fill time and like tell a, a quick yeah. joke or two yes but no, as that's... to why these these two dumb dumb guys are not totally paying attention to the puppies it gets them gives the puppies a chance to sneak out because they're really into the show of course they're criminals they, <laughs> they might wind up on that show one day it must be their favorite show <laughs> um but I feel like it, this movie kind of explained my love for, like, British mysteries. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> a crime occurs, and then we have to go and, like, fix it. And it's in England. <laughs> These are everything that I love. Mm-hmm. Thanks, 101 Dalmatians. I just remember the two bad guys, Jasper and the other one. Just be, Jasper and Horace being just dirty throughout the entire thing just yeah. like sooty yep <laughs> like, like in their the car that they drive around is always like bumping around there's sputtering. a lot of smoke sputtering is the perfect way to put it jason <laughs> it's sputtering around and it's great like for some reason they just stick out as just dusty men yep. <laughs> um they're a mess it's great um something that also involved crimes that i mm. watched um i watched bad times the el royale and oh, you hadn't seen it? I had not seen it, and mm. I didn't like it. Um, Jason, I hear you. I hear you. I thought it was way too self-serious and like a waste of uh, the, the actors that they hired. Yep. Um, I was saying to myself, if I had to hear Carmen Gojo sing again, like it just felt like we're... Oh. we're um, the, the woman who... Uh, the singer? Cynthia Arriva. Cynthia Arriva. Excuse me. Oh, my God. Wrong, you wrong pulled person. a totally different person yeah called a john travolta there <laughs> cynthia rive um she is oh, but great. i loved her voice she's so a great much. voice we had to hear it four times this isn't a musical <laughs> <laughs> but i just felt like man you're using that crutch real hard because you had nothing else to fill this space 
Um, I didn't like it. I thought that everyone was... You have to waste Jeff Bridges. I don't know. It was just Fair. not well done. Um, it was also a lot of build-up to like a very anticlimactic ending. Absolutely anticlimactic ending. And it just felt like... I remember, I think when I described it to you, it just felt like... Um, they, yeah, they just wrote a couple of short stories for characters... And in the short stories, they didn't know how to end them, so they just cut off the like two thirds of those and shoved them all together and made this movie, yep. and then stuck very handsome Chris Hemsworth at the end of it. It's like, hey, and Chris nothing... Hemsworth, no shirt on, right? Right? Like, what a cult? What? And just it, it had a lot of elements that I liked. I liked like the general look of it. Mm-hmm. I liked the actors. I enjoy, as we said, I enjoy crime, <laughs> which there are some mysteries around crimes taking place. I was like, cool. But then it just didn't, it just didn't work. I didn't think a lot of that movie worked. Um, and yeah, it wasn't even, it wasn't slow. It was yeah. pretty fast paced, but it just didn't do anything for mm-hmm. me at all. And I think that's how most people felt about it. Yeah. It had a really cool trailer. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this movie looks interesting. Oh, it did have a great trailer. Like, yeah. this cast of characters seems very interesting. And, mm-hmm. like, what is a priest, and, a cult leader, and yeah. a bellboy? What are they doing at a hotel? The bellboy, I know, but the yeah. other two, what? <laughs> that's crazy. Like, um, but then it just and doesn't such, go yeah, anywhere. <laughs> it's such an amazing cast. Mm-hmm. Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson, yeah. John Hamm. John Hamm's there for 10 seconds. Oh, so handsome. Um, and they try to pull a fast one. Like, yeah, you thought he'd be here longer, didn't you? Yeah, assholes. Uh, I didn't think anything, honestly. <laughs> um, I did, Jason. I thought he would be. I was greatly disappointed. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just disappointing. And considering how much I didn't hear about this movie after it came out, really, like, mm-hmm. I guess understandable. Yeah, the trailer was the best part. Yeah, yeah. that's that's accurate. Yep. Um. More crime for me. <laughs> I finished the whole series of Ripper Street. Okay. It goes off the rails. <laughs> Quite literally, a train goes off the rails. Oh. And also, the show is bonkers. Okay. Um, it basically has two endings. Uh, the first one, you're like, okay. And then, like, natural conclusion, here we go. Wrapping up all the characters. And then it just keeps going. And you're like, what's... What's going on, guys? I thought we were done. How much of this episode is left? Oh, 40 minutes? Jesus Christ. Is it the series finale? or the series finale. Okay. Yeah, it just... I, I don't know. Um, the... Oh, there's a guy... The character's name is Jedediah Shine. And he's... Whenever you see him come on screen, you're like, oh, no. He's so handsome, but he's so scary. Uh-huh. And it's played by the guy who plays Benjamin Stark in Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. Yeah, he is a very different person in the show. He wears a lot of vests. He's a boxer. He looks real good. He's got a real Aragorn vibe and that his hair is always seemingly wet. It was pretty wet in Game of Thrones, too, despite being in the north. I mean, well, because it's always getting icy and then melting. I guess. Fair I enough. will justify any man's wet hair <laughs> as long as he's handsome enough. Um, but he was really great in it, but his character's a psychopath. Um, it was crazy, but I liked the characters enough and I wanted, I'd gotten into it enough that I just had to see it to the end. Okay. Um, How many seasons did it have? Five. Well, geez. Yeah, and I think it's like 10 episodes each. Mm-hmm. They're an hour long. 
um oh the guy who plays neville longbottom from harry potter is in it oh yeah. i feel like i haven't seen him in anything since harry potter he's popped up in a couple of things i've seen now so i think he's just doing like british stuff mm-hmm. um it was bonkers but i still enjoyed it and i like the actors a lot so you know like in the way that it ends, he said it had two different endings. Like basically, the f- was one ending more satisfying than the other? Did it feel like okay, we're Lord of the Rings in it here now? Like you just wrap but, it up, Lord of the Rings, but not in a peaceful way. Mm-hmm. It's basically comes back to uh, Whitechapel is hell on earth. You cannot okay. get away from it. Some people try, but uh, the main character, um, played by Matthew McFadden, he was a detective and he keeps on trying to get out but he just can't and he's drawn to death and he's drawn to terrible crimes Mm -hmm. and uh, it just it has him he just loves he is like he's Whitechapel and he can't get away okay so it's a kind of a dark sad ending Mm -hmm. um a bit more appropriate for that character because there are no by the end of the show there are I mean, kind of from the beginning also, but, like, there are no good guys. Everyone's done something, if not many things, that are terrible, but you're still just kind of rooting for them because they mean well, and at the end of the day, like, are okay, you'd want them beside you kind of in the trenches, Mm -hmm. but also, do they leave a guy to just die a slow, agonizing death? Jesus Christ. Yes. Is the kind of thing where everyone's terrible, just kind of take what you can get? What do you mean, take what you can get? In the sense of, like, if every character is bad and everyone's doing bad things, mm-hmm. like, you just kind of gravitate to whoever the hell you feel like in that case. Like, everyone's, like, on the same kind of wavelength of doing terrible everyone's things. Everyone's kind of like, on the same wavelength. Like, eventually, um, there are some that just feel bad about it and mm-hmm. some that don't. Okay. There's a cannibal guy who I was also kind of into. And it was confusing. <laughs> just the neighborhood cannibal, you Listen, know. he's, like, a terrible cannibal but also a sensitive, misunderstood boy. <laughs> you can only be one of those. I don't think you get he the, like... was both, Jason. <laughs> Have one foot in each bank. Yep. Well, <laughs> he's complicated. He's a real onion, that one. Um, but it's it's tough to stick with, I will say, because they are so terrible that you're just like, Jesus Christ, guys, get it together. Well, one of you just get it together. Um and I I think it was just the writers, like, just doing whatever they wanted kind of by the end. Okay. Um, but they're, everyone still invests. They're all looking good. Mm-hmm. So I was into it. And still crimes. <laughs> crimes and vests. Okay. Yeah. Crimes and vests, Ripper Street. Ripper Sadly, Street. The, the vests are not going to end now. Where do you get your vest fix? Oh, I've started rewatching Elementary. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you'd say, oh, I have a backlog of shows jason that are very vest centric let's not pretend like i'm not looking for them i'm always on the <laughs> lookout for a hot man in a vest you're always invested in what comes next oh, jason. i know where the door is i can leave right now <laughs> <laughs> leave the dog you can get out um but seriously i always am um okay um i also saw a season finale, a series finale as well mm. uh mrs fletcher on hbo has come to an end uh, many, it's well, only one season. I was gonna say it was just one and done. Yeah, limited series. What are they British? Uh, maybe take some British sensibilities, perhaps. Mm. Um, Your girl Catherine Hahn. Uh, it was she was great. It it had an excellent end. 
Um, it was a very good show, a very good season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it's only eight episodes. Um, yeah, limited series. I think their fans are campaigning for a second, and I believe Catherine Hahn and the uh, creator of the show as well are open to that. Um, the way that it ends certainly leaves it open for like another season. Hmm. But, but it's still satisfying. But it's still satisfying. That's tough to do, so that's nice. Like the way it ends, it just feels like there is a a quote unquote bad. I guess it's arguable, but to me, there is a bad guy on this mm-hmm. show, and that is her son. Mm. And I feel like I've heard that from other people also. And he gets his come up in in, oh, that's in so college. Nice. That's so satisfying. Like he is like the show starts off where he's like you know big man on campus, like you know Ugh. an absolute bully, Ugh. um, and just kind of an overall piece of shit where everything kind of goes his way. I hate that. And then he gets to college and nothing goes his way. I love it. Like he's messing up in his classes. Like he he can't connect with his roommate like he's not making any friends that's what you hope for for any asshole you deal with in high school Mm -hmm. it's this is fantasy of course this doesn't happen all the time at all (laughs) you hope this happens yes but it does not no most of the time things most of the time things just keep rolling along and also people aren't that big of assholes but that is very satisfying on the show to have some like justice yeah for a fictionalized jerk to like get his comeuppance feels really nice um you know he he you know, gets interested in this girl and like absolutely ruins it by being a complete asshole. Yep. And he Great. doesn't understand why. He thinks that he's the victim in the situation. Ugh. And like, on the other hand, like, you know, his mom is like kind of like, not necessarily flourishing, but like she's figuring herself out mm-hmm. for the first time in her life. Like, mm-hmm. who am I without my kid? Mm-hmm. Like, who am I, you know, she, in the last episode, it's not a spoiler at all. She I'm never fin- going to watch it, so it's fine. She finally changes her name like back to her pre-married name. Did her husband die or she's no, divorced her, her, she's divorced her okay. husband cheated on her uh, <laughs> and like she's he still lives in the same town and like oh God, he still run into him she runs into him like all the no. time like and you know like the whole season she's like figuring herself out and like you know making friends and like kind of like getting the power back in her life nice and like she finally is able to like you know act on these desires that she had like all season it builds so well because mm-hmm. like you know, is she interested in her her coworker? Like, you know, who's who's a woman? Like, is she interested in like you know this young, not young kid, but like this kid who's like nineteen? You know, who graduated with her son that he used to bully? Like, you know, and what what is she mean? <laughs> what? And Maybe like, I will watch this show. And like her desires and emotions like are bouncing all over the place, but it feels good. Like she's messing up in certain places, but like you know, nothing that she can't recover from, or like she's like putting herself out there and like getting shot down but it's like okay whatever i tried it just feels really good like she's growing as a person and you feel that throughout the season That's nice. and it all culminates in it's a like moment a coming of age story but for middle yeah. age yes a coming of age for middle age for a woman in her 40s like what am i a tagline writer come on <laughs> hire me hbo yes do it right <laughs> if you want a clumsy and long tagline i'm a girl <laughs> but um the the final moments of the show culminate in a moment where it's like she gets everything that she needs and her son gets everything taken away from him. Love it. And it just feels like, ooh, the scales have been balanced. <laughs> <laughs> Justice reigns supreme in this <laughs> land. But also it leaves it wide open for like, what the hell is going to happen if you do continue this? Mm. Um, it was so exciting. And there's not one bit of action, but so much tension and drama. Mm. And it just feels like, ooh, someone's going to get satisfied and it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I really enjoyed uh, Mrs. Fletcher over all the series, but it had an amazing season finale, or series finale, for now. Who knows? Um, I take that back in that I Megan, who has been on the podcast before, uh, she's also been watching it, I mm-hmm. think. And there's 
she showed me a picture of the guy who I think is the 19 year old who was once bullied by. Mm-hmm. Does he have long black hair? Um, not in this, but he has a uh, long. He has dark hair. Yeah. Uh, Jackson White, I think his name is. I'll, I'll look it up. In this photo, he has the longest fingers and the biggest hands <laughs> of any human being I've ever seen. To the point that it's almost the most monstrous, and it terrified me. <laughs> if I woke up and those hands were near my face, I'd scream. <laughs> Jackson White. Let me see. Is his name? Uh, let me pull it up right now. This is the guy. Is this the guy you're talking about? This he plays her son. Not her son. No. The oh the, the oh no. He is handsome. <laughs> no, the the son's the other fellow that she's interested that she's interested in. Uh, Owen Teague. This guy. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Scary. Scary hands. <laughs> He's a very slender man. And that's you know, that's his life. That's how he, he is lives. indeed with the hands of Slender Man. <laughs> and I no offense, but strong pass on that. So I feel like I can't get into it. When he cracks his knuckles, it takes oh, a week. Oh my god. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. But that is one finale. I have another finale that I saw as well, but I can talk about that no, later. No, give it to me now. Why oh, not? um I also ending was uh, Silicon Valley. Oh yeah. On HBO after uh 6 seasons I believe it was. Um it ended just fine. Um it ended in a way that I think many of seasons prior have ended where they mm. overcome this ridiculous and insane uh situation brought upon by themselves. Mm. Um in this the scenario being one where in which they finally have a success. They finally have a situation where they're going to release a product to the world to use. Uh they partnered with AT&T they're going to release this, uh, essentially, a system that compresses data as well as sends it extremely fast, as well as like has high encryption. Okay. So basically, imagine a network you get anything across super yeah, quick yeah, yeah. and secure and all that stuff. They'd be billionaires. And they fuck it up by making it too perfect. Um, they realize something where in which, like, oh, we coded this in such a way where in which, okay, things are moving super fast. However, it's also very efficient. It seems like it, it took words out of my text, but the text is encrypted oh, no, we've destroyed encryption for everything everywhere across the world if this gets out into the world. Nothing is secret anymore. Everything Mm -hmm. is just going to be open. And the whole episode is about them destroying their baby that they've created over, like, the last few years. Um, And it's really fun. Um, Everyone is their most... The prime versions of their characters in this. Like, Mil Nagiani is the best part of this episode uh, where he finally comes to terms with how shitty of a person he is and tells them all, like, do not trust me. In these last moments, I will sabotage this. All I want to do is be rich. (laughs) And I get it. If you you let me anywhere near this, I will ruin it for all of us. And it turns out that at the end of the day, he was the only one that could save it. And he had to basically bet on them believing that he can be a decent person to save the day. It was very funny because it's very against the nature of who Kamel Nanjiani is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the character that he plays is just such a shitty, insecure person that it was fun to see him struggle with that. I feel like I would not like this show. Um, it, There are moments of tension that happen and awkwardness where it's like, oh, I I'm very uncomfortable self-sabotage. Uh, and also the fact that their problem was that they made it too good. It's just like, oh, i'm constantly just probably unfairly so just exhausted by the hubris of men (laughs) not humankind just men Mm -hmm. and so the fact that that was their problem was like oh come on um yeah i mean that's a lot of that show just Mm. them ruining themselves yeah no i can't 
I can't. <laughs> but I'm glad it was good. Question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how typically things, shows like that are usually good for like relatively strong for the first like three or four seasons and mm-hmm. then they kind of go off the rails. Did you feel that way about Silicon Valley or was it pretty good for the I, six seasons? I think the first four seasons were really strong. Mm-hmm. I think the, like the fifth, four. the fifth, they struggled to find their footing again because uh, TJ Miller left the show. Oh, yeah. Um, and of course, all of his situations and problems or whatever yes but um it felt like because he was such a big part of it it felt like they were like figuring out the, the formula of the show again without him gotcha and then season six they started to pick it back up but it was a shorter season than all the rest oh. and also the last season yeah so it felt they had to, like to cram a lot in yeah. like a little bit of time so not like exactly their fault that the sixth was a little weird and yeah. the fifth was a little weird because just you lose an element of the show how many episodes is each season usually? Usually about 10 episodes. And how many was this season? Six. Oh, wow. So yeah. they lost a lot of space. They pulled the Game of Thrones. Yeah. and the, But the last episode is like an hour. So okay. they try to make up for it Oh, in that is way. it usually half an hour? Usually half an hour Oh, episodes. I thought yeah. it was an hour long drama. It's real quick. You can destroy a season in a weekend. Gotcha. Um, and it, the last episode has a lot of fun cameos. Like, oh, they got like Bill Gates to be in this episode. That's fun. Oh, that's cool. Like They get like real tech people to be like in the final episode. Nice. Throughout the series too, but... Mm-hmm. A lot more in this last episode cool. to like discuss like oh yeah this fictional company that like you know they could have been big but they mm-hmm. had this one fatal flaw so yeah it was fun did tj miller leave because of his issues or he just wanted to he was uh, just done i think he, he, it felt like a combination of things mm-hmm. like, i think maybe like he was leaving for his own good maybe and also like maybe he was having some tensions with like you know showrunners and stuff oh um, but from what I understand, he left the show to pursue like you know movies and stuff yeah. like that. Okay. But that's the same year all that stuff came out about him and all that okay. stuff happened that he did as well. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm glad it wrapped up well. Yeah. Solid wrap up. Um, I watched a show. Mm-hmm. That I'm not going to tell you what it's about. Okay. I'm just going to give you the name. All right. It's called Unit Forty Two. Unit 42. What is it about, Jason? So, in the British government, there are many units. Unit 42. One could say there are <laughs> at least 41. <laughs> One could say there are at least 41. Maybe more than 42, but who knows? Unit 42 handles the unknown, the paranormal, the terrifying, the unexplained, and the unexplored. Headed up by a team of individuals from various points of the British government, mm. they seek to discover the unknown and to answer the questions of why and how. Unit 42, Fridays on (laughs) (laughs) Sci-Fi. So like the British X-Files. Yes. You know me well. Mm -hmm. However, plot twist, it's Belgian. (laughs) (laughs) And for the first season, I was like, this is a great French show. (laughs) And then I was like, ooh, they're in Brussels. Right across the board. (laughs) JK, no disrespect. (laughs) But y'all are speaking French, so I just kind of assumed. I mean, it's spoken a few more places than just France, but yeah, I get you know. where you're coming from. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, oh, so, it's Belgian. It is a show about uh, a cybercrime unit in Brussels. And, of course, there's a ragtag group of folks. Hmm. Is there a one white guy leader? Of course there is. It always is. Mm-hmm. He... Does he have some issues? They Yes. They always do, Jason. Surprisingly, not alcohol. Instead, his wife has died. And, like, 
her ghost is kind of hanging around. Oh. But he, like, doesn't really interact with her. It's kind of a background thing to the point where you're like, this isn't necessary, but fine. I didn't see that one. (laughs) You don't see it at all because she's a ghost. Hey-o. Yeah, no, me neither. Because in the first scene, I was like, oh, okay, they're not interacting much, but whatever. And then the second one, she pops up. I'm like, oh, it's because she's a ghost. Is she a projection of his mind or is she like a ghost ghost? She's she Patrick Swayze in it? Are they making like ceramics together? <laughs> if only. <laughs> um, he just kind of talks to her once in a while because he's got three kids and he's just like, man, I really need you here right now. Like, what would she do in the situation? That kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. And it's a very, <laughs> there are many ways you can go with that type of ghost For situation. Sure. Yeah. It's probably the most realistic of, she doesn't pop up a lot or anything. It's just when... He's got issues going on with his kids because one's like a 13-year-old girl. One's like, and so she's having her own like just teenage girl things. Mm-hmm. Nothing crazy, but, you know, hormones. And then like a 10-year-old boy and like a little baby. Okay. Um, And so he's just constantly exhausted and he's trying to do his best as a dad. But the kids are obviously like frustrated and disappointed with him sometimes. And so he's just kind of heartbroken about that. And so he's just kind of mumbles to her here and there did they explain what happened to her or no or is that to be found out in later episodes uh i believe she died of cancer oh okay so like i I don't know why i said oh okay like that Uh, (laughs) (laughs) acceptable like oh it wasn't like you know she got blown up in a nuclear right it wasn't like a serial killer got her and now Uh he has to like go after it it was a very sad but like just a health thing and Mm -hmm. yeah okay that's that's different yes um what is this available on hulu no netflix okay Okay. so i was very thrown by the idea of like okay like this sounds like ncis and then it's like also ghosts (laughs) it's such like a small thing it only pops up like maybe once or twice an episode if that and Mm -hmm. sometimes you forget it's even part of the show Mm -hmm. um because he doesn't go home a lot because he's constantly running around uh solving crimes um it's and then he has this whole unit of people um this one girl the other kind of like through line uh that is not they have like their you know murder of the week um but one of the other through lines is um one of the main people on this team there are like four people there's him um did i write it down um so it's sam is the main guy billy is the lady she's a hacker um this guy bob who i don't even know what he does but computer things and Mm -hmm. he gets coffee for everybody and then this guy nasim who's like billy's right hand man okay and these are very these are names that i did not know existed in belgian yep okay (laughs) excuse me thank you um so billy is a hacker and so it's kind of ironic that she's working for the cops and she's like right out of college kind of mm-hmm. um and her ex-boyfriend he's like on the lam or something i don't know it's weird i feel they're gonna tie that in somehow to her later on in the series and she's yes. gonna be in trouble maybe on the run with him for a bit but then she like turns him in or something like that potentially yes mm-hmm. i could absolutely see it going there um but it's only one season i was heartbroken really um it's gonna there i think there is it like brand new um no there's a season two i think but i will probably be like 18 years before i get to see it ah <laughs> <laughs> i need to know what happens to billy and her boyfriend <laughs> ah. um 
do they jump the shark a little bit and is what is bob the team member um accused of a crime uh-oh let's figure this out in like episode four okay um there is a um coroner who is deaf and i think she is deaf in real life and okay. so it's a nice little bit of diversity here and there all right i, I was gonna say like that's like a interesting character trait to give yeah, a corner just, but she actually does okay yeah cool. it's just something something else all right um which is cool and i really like her she wears nice lipstick um yeah it's great it it moves pretty fast it's dark but not like too dark if you enjoy a british mystery and you don't mind reading subtitles check out unit 42 oh, just God. hop over the pond to belgium a belgian procedural yeah which sounds like a sex act but it's not Oh, gross, <laughs> Hello, I'm the pervert here, not you. Get it together. Okay, um, something else that I watched. I watched The Irishman um, yep. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was good. I've heard some real mixed reviews. Like, it was fine. Um, there was some weird stuff in there, like when they de-age yeah. Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro. Like, yeah. to me, it doesn't feel like they shaved a lot off. But apparently, like he was supposed to be portrayed as twenty nine uh, in one scene, and he looks like a strong forty. I, <laughs> like, I would just say fifty almost. Like yeah. in one scene in particular. Oh, okay. Um, I only watched the first like ten minutes of it. That's probably where you're seeing like the age change yeah. happening. Yes, um, I saw him and Pesci, um, and Robert De Niro. Though he looked young, he also looked like he didn't have a neck, and it was confusing. <laughs> but um. CG stuff aside, like, it was, again, Scorsese doing his thing in, like, you know, telling the stories of these gangsters um, doing terrible things. Um, It was interesting to see the story play out as it is telling the story of unions and, like, Jimmy Jimmy Hoffa in a fictionalized account, of course, like, what actually happened to him and how he died and all that stuff. Um, It was a bit of a history lesson in learning, like, what unions were like in the United States, like, the, the... mid 20th century like the 50s the 60s the 70s and like how things got pretty corrupt yeah um and how you know the italian mafia on the east coast was tied into all of that it's very interesting in that respect um they hop over to a few different locations just to kind of i guess show you the reach the reach was national of these Mm -hmm. crime organizations that you know they were involved in millions of dollars of like you know uh pensions and theft and and larceny it's just like wow they did have like a big sphere of influence and which is something that i guess isn't talked about all that much um and there's some really good performances in it i think that uh uh joe pesci is at a totally different energy level than you think he would be at uh this is a very subdued uh joe pesci he never yells not once in this what? film he is very much the uh the calm individual in many situations in this movie. It'd be hilarious if all the Delia scenes were just him screaming. <laughs> the top is those lungs. are the top those are the first like twelve takes of every scene and then he starts to lose his voice and calms down because he's tired and, and then those are the rest of them. Out. <laughs> just rope a dope him until he Guys, is at take fifteen he's gonna be golden this weight. <laughs> You're slipping like robotussin <laughs> into his strings to like chill him out. Like he only has one level, I need him at a different one. <laughs> we gotta get him now. No, but don't make him go to sleep. <laughs> it's a fine balance we're Not trying that to hit much here, all right? Put it robust in his coffee, all right? It'll balance him <laughs> out, okay? <laughs> um No, uh he was really good. Um why the hell can't uh De Niro was was Robert, he was playing himself. Yeah. <laughs> um 
why can I not remember Pacino. his name? Al Pacino. He was pretty great as Jimmy Hoffa. Um, very uh, charismatic. Um, it didn't feel like he was just being his loudest version of himself, okay. which feels like he's been doing a lot in recent years. Um, he was just kind of being a character, which was yeah. nice to see. Uh, really like taking on the character. Um, outside of that, um, yeah, Jesse Plemons is really good. Um, just being... Uh, a redheaded uh, oh. kid who's just trying his best to keep up with all the information that's going on around him. Um, Sebastian uh, Maniscalco um, was oh. really good. Um, just uh, he was he was surprisingly fun, and I like seeing Ray Romano in things now. I like seeing him as an actor. Who Ray Romano? Yeah. Hmm. Um, but overall, yeah. Hey, it's another uh, Scorsese film where like you know these guys are the bad guys, right? That's what he's saying, but no one is going to get that message. They never get those messages in his films. They always praise the bad guys in those movies, who are the main characters. Like, the people watching Wolf of Wall Street should have walked away from that saying, man, those Wall Street guys are terrible. But people walked away from that movie saying, yeah, those dudes killed it, coke and blow and hookers. Like, no, man. (laughs) Like, people take the wrong message away from those movies all the time. And I feel like that's going to be done in this, too. Like, oh, another Scorsese classic. But you forgot the message. These guys suck. <laughs> like that's what he's trying to say. Hmm. Although it is glorified, like at the same time, it's Do like. Do you think that is what he's trying to say, though? Consistently, I think he's consistently said that over a lot of those gangster films, especially in Goodfellas. Like, hey, all of this led to ruin, and this actually happened. These are real people that are involved in this, hmm. and like they did shitty things. Wolf of Wall Street, definitely. Like these are shitty people that ruined a oh, lot of people. Yeah. Like they lived lives of excess on your money. Don't praise these guys. But I think that always gets misinterpreted. Hmm. But overall, it was fine. <laughs> it was too long, too. Also, Scorsese, man, like, he's been throwing a lot of shit at, like, Marvel movies, which I understand, fine. Like, your movies can't get made because they're making superhero movies. Yeah. Like, they don't want to fund three-hour epics like yours, necessarily. Mm-hmm. But also, you put it on Netflix, dude? Like, this, you have to beat people's phones to pay attention to your movie. Your movie's three hours and change. Like, you have to be more interesting consistently on a minute-by-minute basis than what's in someone's hand. And that's going to be really hard for people to pay attention to a film like that when your first run is on Netflix. It's all I'm thinking. I mean, I don't think... A, a lot of people saw that movie. A lot more people watched than I thought. Mm-hmm. Granted, they were um, advertising the shit out oh, of it. Oh, for sure. But, I mean, really... Their core demographic is like baby boomers, kind of. I guess, yeah. And my parents are baby boomers. And you know what they are not going to do? Sit through a three and a half or three hour movie in a theater. Like, they got to pee. They got to get up and walk around. So I feel like Netflix, though surprising, I think there are enough kids who are getting their baby boomer parents into Netflix and stuff Mm -hmm. that it actually works out better because... I feel like the movies that they have put out for baby boomers with like Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine going out on the lam or whatever the fuck, like people aren't really going to see those. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're marketing to try to get the very wealthy and the large number of baby boomers into theater seats has not worked. So maybe this just worked better because it's maybe. easier for them to see. And that's the thing. Will you actually get to see the numbers of people that watched it? Because because my dad did, and he would not go to a theater to see it. Fair. Just because, like, he can't sit through it. Because, uh, old man. Fair. Yeah. Like, Netflix is super cagey with their numbers. I hope they release some numbers on it. Just to see how many people actually watched it. Mm. 
And I don't know if they even track like age demographics. I don't know. Hmm. But yeah, Irishman. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> it might be hard for them to track age demographics because so many people share their accounts. Exactly. I think that's... That's probably incredibly skewed. Like those are muddy waters and they start to get into age. But yeah. I think when just on raw data of like who watched it, how many times, where did they watch it? That is who like watches that more movie accessible. more than once. Jesus. Some people may restart it. Some people that's <laughs> insane. May start and stop it. Like go back to it. I know I did. Like I watched an hour long chunks. Like watch an hour, do something else, mm. come back two days later, watch another hour. See, that's why it works on Netflix. Like I'm sure they they may release a cut or a version where it's like, hey, here's the extended. the mini series or oh, like an extended God. version. Oh, it's the director's cut. Yeah. I mean, surely this pretty much is a director's cut. There's nothing keeping Scorsese from not putting something in there that he doesn't want to. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know what their deal was. Ugh, God. I was, I think multiple people, oh boy, I can't speak anymore. Multiple people have told me that it's a bit self-indulgent. Do you think that that is true? In some ways, I guess. But I mean to say, it's him going over well-trodden territory. Like, he has gone over and done the same thing. Not the same thing, but, like, it's him doing another mafia film. Mm. I Self-indulgent in some ways, yeah, but I feel like it's him kind of going back to the, not the well, but... A little bit. He's comfortable here. Yeah. And that's fine. Like, he doesn't need to, like, do anything crazy here. And, yeah, he's done a lot of different things over his career. He's made movies for kids. Hugo, that won a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Like, he's done, you know... Movies on subjects where, like, oh, that seems really interesting. Like, two Jesuits going to get their priest back from in Japan. Like, cool silence. Like, I don't think anyone saw it. No, but like, it's really interesting. Like, I'd like to watch it. Mm. Um, but yeah, he stretched himself a lot over his career and hasn't just done the mafia films. And I think that's probably what he'll be remembered for the most. But he's done a lot of cool things and he will continue to do a lot of cool things uh i think this is just the first of a few things he's gonna do with netflix over the coming years and netflix wants people like him as weird as it seems they still want that validation of like we have big name directors making things for us we have big name stars making things just with us and not with other major studios and i think they really want to do that thing where like they want to bring home an oscar in like a big way like because for them it's validation like we are here we stand shoulder to shoulder with all of you so yeah i don't know why i'm asking so many questions about a film i don't give a shit about. <laughs> but what else have you been watching um i kept trying to watch the golden compass <laughs> <laughs> like the original movie or no the series oh the series is like <laughs> so I think it's a little just too far up its own butt. Like, it's very <laughs> self-serious. Okay. And I think for me personally, self-righteous children are incredibly annoying in film and television. And the main character has that. And it's so fucking annoying. You just feel like yelling, child, know your place. Yes. <laughs> like, there are adults talking. Yes. Ugh. And, like, sometimes she's very sympathetic, but, like, also that actress is great, and I feel like she naturally maybe has the confidence of someone uh, a little older than herself. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, girl, you and your little fucking weasel over here gotta cool it. <laughs> and that self-righteousness comes off differently, like, 
mm. in a world full of kids versus like a world full of adults. Right. Like if she was acting against other kids, like other people her own age or a little bit older, that's very different. Mm. Like Harry Potter comes off as a very different kind of character. Right. <laughs> like when he's like, you know, going back and forth with other students versus like, you know, going back and forth with nothing. If he's just going against all of his teachers, mouth to mouth, that's what's oh, like going God. behind their backs. Yeah. Like he does on the slides. That's how <laughs> Harry does it. <laughs> um, then he'd be a very differently perceived character. Yes. Um, it's very dark, which is fine, but I think at some point they accuse, they're these guys at the magisterium who are kind of dressed like priests and I think they insinuate that he's one of them's a pedophile, oh. which was fucking weird. But also, they are stealing children, mm. and it's just like, oh no! <laughs> I don't think Is about this, this a children's show or not? I don't want to think about this on my Monday Night Fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think too, it's just like, guys, what are we trying to get to? <laughs> Like, I know there are these children that you're trying to get back, but also, what is the ultimate fucking goal? Because you're obviously working towards something, but mm-hmm. I'm not getting it. That's You, you mentioned things here and there. You mentioned dust or whatever, but you don't really know what it is. Mm-hmm. They show something in the North, but you don't really know what it is. Like, you have to give me a goal that I'm working towards with you, aside from finding these kids... You're killing me. That's tough. And again, I've never read the book. I didn't see me the, neither. the Golden Compass, the film. But it feels like in something like A Game of Thrones to compare it to, I mean, Big Shoes to Phil. Right. But in the, through that first season, you are given multiple different objectives and different ends of how things can turn out. It's like, okay, there are things that are happening beyond the wall. There's a whole idea of who's going to actually sit on this throne. Mm-hmm. There's a whole idea of this crazy woman with dragons in the East that like, may come over here. And all that's like firm by the end of the first season and it feels like we're close to the end of the first season here but nothing's been established as far as like a threat or a cause or a goal to accomplish you know like who this bad woman is and you know that she's involved in some bad stuff um but real they just diverted from their goal they're so focused on getting these fucking kids back Mm -hmm. that they're not they they've totally gone on a tangent and like i still need you guys to work toward this goal and so finally they got in the big polar bear which i was very excited about but then it sounds like he's got fucking dentures in his mouth i'm like come on guys <laughs> he's just rattling around in it's there it's just they tried to get uh, i think liam neeson might have been uh the voice of york berenson or whatever berenson yeah, York Bernison mm-hmm. is the big polar bear's name. Okay. Um, and I believe Liam Neeson did his voice in the movie, and he was great. He's got a great voice. Yeah. And it's very deep, and you're like, ooh, I gotta listen to this guy. He seems to know what's up. I will follow you into battle, sir, because they're literally like battling bears. But this guy, I'm just like, do you need some denture cream? <laughs> oh, God. Like, what does denture cream do? Does it make it softer? Easier? It, no, it like glues your teeth in. Oh, I think maybe those are our elderly listeners <laughs> or the tooth impaired. Please let us know <laughs> how denture cream works. Call in at five five five. Um, and it just Lin Manuel Miranda shows up. He's fine, and that sucks to say something like that. It's like he's fine. I I think it's tricky because everyone, um, 
all the characters are very serious. Mm-hmm. And either there's like, no levity, is there? There's none. And so he's this very charismatic. His he is, and his character is supposed to be like kind of ch- a charming uh, Han Solo bullshitter type uh-huh, of guy, working the angles, that kind a of thing. A little bit, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and it just doesn't. It almost seems um, insincere because the rest of the show is just like bah, so bah, bah. dour and serious and everything is always and serious all to, the time yeah this everything is dangerous and we have to get the kids back and this bear is he's a drunk and you're just like jesus christ guys <laughs> oh come on like give me something and then the you guys has a drinking problem yes <laughs> yes jason that's how he lost his armor he's an armored bear and they got him drunk and took away his armor oh that's fantastic he was and then you got fucking lin-manuel miranda literally flying in on a goddamn hot air balloon being all charming i'm just like what is this show <laughs> he's literally on a hot air balloon and trying to get this polar bear and this little girl gets to it first it's just i it's trying really hard and it looks good. I just, I don't know what I need from it. <laughs> and it sounds like you're investing a lot into this. Like, so I was like <laughs> time and energy and it's like energy. I put in energy of trying to figure out what I need from this show. And it's killing me, Jason. You've got notes on walls with tape and <laughs> red string going from note to note. And just as well in the hot air balloon. There's a map for some reason. <laughs> uh, I just, I'm going to keep watching it. I'm going to figure this out. I, they just, there's a lot of threads and they're just not only kind there of. There are a lot of threads connected to push pins <laughs> in the wall. <laughs> You're never going to get your deposit back. <laughs> um, and I think they're following also like the least interesting thread, which I know sounds terrible. But like, yes, like we know that these kids are being kidnapped. We know who's doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, can we figure this out soon, please? Because we've oh. been doing this over the last couple episodes. We as the viewer know, but yes. the, the characters are trying to the solve them. The characters trying to kidnapping. figure out. Yeah. That's irritating. It's super annoying. And so, and it's been over at least two or three episodes, Mm -hmm. I think three, of them trying to find the kids. And you're just like, okay, let's get the kids or not. But like, and they're slowly moving forth. Like, they had to stop and get the Mm -mm. bear. And now, episode four or five, they finally are like heading north or whatever the fuck. That's that's never satisfying as a viewer to wait oh, for the show to catch up to you. To you, yes. Like that's just no. You want to you want to as much as fun as we think it, we as much as we think we were ahead of a show. Like yeah. I knew that was going to happen. No, you didn't. You kind of might have known. Like in, in a lot of shows, at least. Yeah. But you know, we're satisfied when we actually get there, and your your suppositions yes. are revealed to be true. This it sounds like there's no supposition. You know for for a fact yes, what is they happening. Are constantly showing exactly who's taking these kids mm-hmm. and who's involved. <laughs> and it's one thing if you show me shortly before the other character finds out or something like right. you find out at the end of one episode, and then probably the next episode the other character the chase find of out. that is fun. Yeah, great. But it's been over the course of so many episodes, right? And you keep on seeing these kids all walking around in a line in their little bunk beds. You're like, I get it. See, that feels like uh, you're watching a cartoon at that point. Like, we know the roadrunners are gonna drop you off of a cliff, Wiley e. Coyote. Like, come on. Yeah. So I'm gonna keep following this mystery and try to figure out 
what the deal is with the show and how to make it better. I'll write some letters and we'll see what we can do. (laughs) Present to the president of HBO. Listen, I just wheel in like a chalkboard type thing with all my notes and then they can make it better. (laughs) (laughs) Look, here's the wall. I'll take it out from my apartment just to show you. Everyone comes in. It's a big conference room. Everyone sits down. There's like 20 people and I need like an hour and a half to put all the questions in (laughs) and all the pictures. I'm almost there, guys. (laughs) But then it's like, yeah, now you know how I feel watching these goddamn kids get shuttled around all the time. Welcome to my world. (sighs) It's, it's, trying me jason mm. and it's winning thus far <laughs> um i'll tell you about something i really enjoyed that i saw yeah. um the laundromat on netflix um oh wait is that the thing with meryl streep yes it is yeah that looked good i almost watched it um it is good um it, it is good it reminds me of a lot of things like the big short but a lot more digestible hmm. um it's about the panama papers um oh the, the those documents that released that showed like you know these banking situations that yes. some of the world's most powerful people are in that are in heavy conflict you know of uh as far as conflicts of interest and also like whoa these people are kind of just shuffling money around and not being taxed for it like what's where's the justice here um but it's directed by steven soderbergh starring meryl streep hmm. gary I've oldman heard, i feel like i haven't heard that name in a while me too where you been steve he's been similar to a lot of big directors like we talked about with scorsese he's kind of been moving a little bit away from like you know doing things directly for studios Mm. being released to theaters like he did a lot of stuff for hbo for a while um and then he did a few things like the theaters and he's back with uh netflix all buddy buddy with them Mm. um seems like a much lighter movie than he usually does um what heavy subject matters i would say as far as like just i guess when i watch the trailer for it it doesn't seem it's a very serious subject matter, mm-hmm. but maybe it's just because Meryl Streep's Meryl Streep's character is not a fuddy duddy because she knows what's up and she's mm-hmm. getting around, but like it doesn't feel so heavy. She is beleaguered yes. by all this, and she's a connecting thread through the movie. Actually, um, the movie is actually told in like different vignettes. Okay, um, and her character is like kind of like featured on almost all of them okay um and yeah they show you different countries around the world like we're cool. in california for a second and then we're like you know well, not, that's not a country but we're in the united <laughs> states we're in california for a second then we're like you know in um uh, in nevis um in the caribbean and then we're jumping over to like belgium very cool and we're jumping to all these different places go and solve a cyber crime <laughs> speaking of the, the i know a indeed. unit who can help you <laughs> they should have gotten uniform too on this because there were definitely crimes happening billy in belgium. stop obsessing over your goddamn boyfriend (laughs) get on this you need to help meryl um it's very much like um a play in its presentation almost like uh gary oldman and uh, antonio banderas play like the lawyers of like this firm that i've been like funneling all the money i think that's why in my false memories (laughs) the movie didn't seem quite so depressing to me is because they're so like despicable but also so giggly with each other mm. that in my head i just saw antonio Banderas. uh yeah yeah antonio Banderas. him just giggling and so i was like this is gonna be fun it's they're like cartoon villains yes in exactly. that sense but like what they did hurt a lot of people oh and they explain it through the movie it's too absolutely sure. terrible 
And so it's interesting. It is interesting. It's kind of a juxtaposition of like showing these smiling, you know, mm-hmm. happy bad guys yes. who did really bad who things. Did horrible things. But um, they're they're really good. Like they they play well off, well off of each other. What and, an interesting combo. And they show you them in the in those segments. Then they jump to the actual Ooh, versions of those char- I like characters, like struggling and being stressed out with like you know the stuff that they're doing. Mm. Um, I always say that uh, Gary Oldman and Meryl Streep are just like chameleons. Mm-hmm. They can like just through makeup and prosthetics and just like they can do a lot yeah. as far as like you know range of acting and like being different characters and they pulled a fast one on me um because a character was a character that i didn't even realize until the end of the mm, movie don't tell me I'll i won't it's just like wait <laughs> it was impressive mm. um but no it was very good the vignettes are very different but uh also very good in featuring actors that like uh you may have seen them in like one or two things like oh i haven't seen that guy since like rock and Rolla or like you know i haven't seen this this person since this other movie but like they're good solid actors um and i just love how each one is very oh people like jeffrey wright show up and it's like that's what i thought but then i wasn't sure if i was mixing that up with the new bond film <laughs> that i saw it's like i could have sworn i saw him talking to somebody was he talking about money or was he trying to get james bond to help him oh god so i just could kept my mouth shut was he asking james bond for 20 bucks <laughs> possibly um he's there and it's oh, uh, i love him i want I want to see him in more things. I feel like I only see him recently mm-hmm. in Bond films, and he's not in them enough. He's like one of the best parts of Westworld. Um, oh, that's right, Westworld, which has been away for what seems like a decade. Uh, yeah, chill out for a while, Westworld. Get your <laughs> shit together. Figure out what you want to do. <laughs> maybe you can brainstorm with goddamn Golden Compass and figure some stuff out. Maybe, maybe you could be like your season one selves again. Oh, yeah. Because you had me real hot for you. All yep. right, all of us um but yeah the laundry <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Was, no it was just it was good i mm. it was good i recommend it uh find it on netflix i don't get why they're not like why not advertise that more it's fucking meryl streep and gary oldman like, like hello legit like gary Oldman just won, won an oscar this past year you know like oh for uh playing winston churchill yeah mm. and it's like hey you know fucking nudge that to the front maybe you know put that to the front of the maybe you'd like you know yeah. like but you don't because you're an uncurated mess i'll say it every time <laughs> i'll not stop <laughs> i feel like it curates things much better for me than it does for you doesn't it's a mishmash of bullshit <laughs> and it upsets me that i have to dig and find something that's not just like brand new here's the new stuff jason like no i want quality things did the laundromat not pop up for you it wasn't it didn't pop up on like no it didn't actually it was there for like a a few weeks Mm. and then it's not there anymore Mm. i had to like what's that movie with meryl let me type in meryl street and then i found it that's how i Mm. was able to find it they knew i'd be down (sighs) they think so ill of me (laughs) because i think ill of them (laughs) yeah but um but that's pretty much it for the things that i saw outside of the assignment um it's funny that you mentioned the big short because uh i was laying in bed this morning and i say this morning because it was like 2 30 in the morning <laughs> and i was sick and i couldn't sleep mm-hmm. so um i was just watching shit on my phone and between like 4 30 and 6 30 a.m i watched the big short <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i rented it and i watched it <laughs> Because I was watching clips of it on YouTube that I was like, why don't I just watch this whole fucking movie again? And I enjoyed it. It's a big load to take on there. You know what? Was it a weird choice? Yes. But I enjoyed it. Fair. 
for 13 seconds i feel like i understood what was happening and then i went to sleep the movie reels moves very fast and i still don't get all of it and what happened exactly yes the movie um, doesn't talk down to you it's very much like keep up yeah which i actually kind of appreciate mm-hmm. um but I, d- I can't decide if i like um adam what's his face adam mckay yes the director yeah i don't no, it's definitely a very kind of unique like i know that it's him um but it's just the actors are so good and handsome um that it's hard not to watch because mm-hmm. you got your uh you scraggly got- brad pitt hell yeah you got ryan gosling with terrible hair but he's still ryan gosling and he's still very charming it's like a helmet yes <laughs> it really does look like plastic <laughs> there's so much shit in that um you got your Christian Bale pretending to have a glass eye. A shoeless Christian Bale. He's got weird things going on in that movie. He's got a lot going on. <laughs> he drums, a glass eye, no shoes. I'd still, I'd still hit it, Jason. I'm still into it. I see Batman lingering underneath that. That sounds like a dude that hangs out in a bar at Jacksonville. Oh, Florida. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, shoeless Jimmy? Yeah, he's got a glass eye, but man, can he hit those skins? <laughs> he's just constantly buying like shots for college age. Yeah. Yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but yeah. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, it was very interesting. I do appreciate how he tries to break it down a little bit. Um, yeah. I feel like I was going to say something else about Christian Bale. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> in the movie's got an Asian wife, and I was like, damn. Could have been me. <laughs> <laughs> it's based on a real guy, so really good not have, but I was like, ooh. Might have had a chance. Um, I'm glad I came back to that point. <laughs> <laughs> this is all just to say, could have been me, all right? Could have been smacking that on I the regs. could have been a contender. <laughs> Ah, for glass-eyed Christian Bale. For glass-eyed. Glass-eyed. He made a lot of money. <laughs> for, for the most part, he made a lot of money. He seemed like a nice guy. Yeah. That character definitely knew what he was doing, for yeah. sure. He's a doctor. Mm-hmm. And he traded just as a hobby. Like, that was, like, his other job. And a hobby turned into profession mm-hmm. that he was, like, the best at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did they, like... Were they, he was like on the spectrum or no? I think so, yeah. Okay. He definitely, um, if not, just had some uh, like kind of social anxiety kind okay. of um, issues. Okay. Yeah. But he was just, yeah, he was hyper-focused and able to just be the best at this. Mm-hmm. And you just wouldn't think, oh, this is the guy who's amazing at this. And like, I'm betting against like that all this is going to fail. Anytime a person is in a like high profile thing like that but they can dress however they want Mm -hmm. you know they're doing something right yeah that's true the only reason adam sandler can wear sweatpants everywhere is because he's adam sandler that is true he's built up enough credit that no one gives a shit again if i had access to that kind of money and made movies i would just do his formula i just invite my friends to fun places and make movies you'd hire christian bale (laughs) and you'd write a film where he has an asian wife And you just, I wouldn't even be in the movie. You just have like a Photoshop, like picture frame with him and then me photoshopped, my dumb face photoshopped into there in the background. Like, hey. Yeah, it'd be great. Thanks, nope. Jason. I got all the money making this happen. You'd be there. All right. In person. <gasps> oh, man. Like, you have to understand, it's very important that you have a wife. And it's this woman. <laughs> 
I just pop out a garbage can. <laughs> hey! It's me! You make four movies with him and his wife every single time. We're in like different time periods. We're in different countries. I'm always his wife. Who is this brand new, uh, this Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan situation <laughs> going on? Jack Smith <laughs> and Christian Bale. Will they, won't they? Get over it. Come on, guys. Yes. <laughs> Ugh. You've got mail. You've got bail. <laughs> yes. He is stuck in prison and you got to get him out. All right. <laughs> I'll break you out of there. Don't you worry. A it's young a- man calling himself the Black Rob Reiner. That's right. Me, Jason Simmons. <laughs> I made all these movies and I'm going to keep making them. All right. <laughs> oh, I hope we win the lotto just to make this dream. Come true. <laughs> oh, God. I'm coming for you, Christian. <laughs> Um, oh, I forgot. There was one movie I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, Brittany Runs a Marathon. Um, Jason, I've been holding off on watching this movie because I know it'll just be me sitting on my couch being like, you fat piece of shit. You should be doing that too, but you're not. I would say it's it's damn inspiring. Like, um, excuse me, inspiring. I don't know why I said inspiring. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, from New Jersey. <laughs> I don't know what that accent is. I just go along with it. No, um, it was It, was it looks solid. great. It was yeah. really solid. Um, I like that actress. Jillian Bell's really fun mm-hmm. in it. Um, and it's, she's amazingly funny. Mm. But like, I feel they let her just like be a bit more serious in this film. Yeah. And like, it just, it's someone just like taking control of their life and yeah. just like really fucking clamping down and trying to get some shit done. It's like, even she didn't succeed at the end. Spoilers, she does. But like, through a little bit of trial and tribulation, yeah, like, course. you know, even like time, like being a factor in it too. Like, it's just someone that's just fucking trying to make it work yeah. in like a way that they can control. Yeah. And it just made it feel They're very not trying real. to conquer the world. They're just trying to do no. a little thing for themselves. Absolutely. And like how that can like create friction in your life. How some people just don't get that shit. Like, that's why I don't exercise. <laughs> that's why I sit on the couch and watch Brittany Wins a Marathon. <laughs> I don't want the social strife I have to go through no. because of this. But like it shows you someone like going through it and like really fucking putting an effort out. And getting back like some good things, getting back some negative things out of it. Like, I, I recommend that. It's 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 a solid movie. When I'm not feeling terrible about myself, I will watch it one day. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's like the last thing I can talk about outside of the, the the assignment. I promise. I watched um, again Disney Plus mm-hmm. because Frozen Two came out. I watched Frozen again. Oh, well, don't be embarrassed. It's it's a very watched film. Many people have seen this. Before Moana came out, um, I feel like Moana not, not eclipsed this, but it definitely helped take a lot of the attention away from Frozen. It oh. felt like every young girl was like, Frozen! And then like 40% of them were like, Moana! <laughs> <laughs> All the brown girls were like, yes. Because <laughs> let me tell you something. Frozen is very white. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, boy. They try to throw in some like light tan people in the background. Don't This is happening you. in northern Frozen, Europe. Let's not <laughs> pretend. This is Scandinavia or whatever the fuck. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's very dazzling. And it's got a color palette that you hadn't seen in uh, Disney movies before. Because it's that like bright icy glare everywhere mm-hmm. but it's really not that great of a movie <laughs> like it's fine mm-hmm. and also it's a children's movie so yeah. you don't need to have an amazing plot but like the first 10 minutes is really good the song is very catchy 
um, the little it, the girls are little kids, so they're very cute. Yeah, and they got the most perfect little voice actors to play the little girls' voices. They're so goddamn sweet. Um, and then it just I don't know. It just kind of I feel like the first act is the strongest because you have a couple. They're like the two biggest songs. Like you want to build a snowman and let it go mm-hmm. they're all in like the first act yeah um and so then after that you're just like okay and it just kind of plateaus a little bit like i i mean there is like a big have you seen it yeah i've seen it like the end is like okay we built up a little bit but not that much right so like as a movie in and of itself it's just okay there's a little twist or whatever mm-hmm. but there's nothing in it that really stands out aside from the music yeah the music i think is such a strong point of that film and like it's musical i get it but you know and i think just the animation as well just it was just gorgeous like dealing with the palette of just like whites and grays and blues Mm -hmm. they really did a great job with that Mm -hmm. and yeah i think this is like you know how Pixar always like, like, likes to flex a new uh, technology they have? Like, yeah. we've got hair in this movie. It just felt like this <laughs> yeah. is Disney Animation Studios saying, like, check out the snow effects we got we going know on. We ice. Look at weather. <laughs> check this shit out. Yeah, I, that, yeah, it just didn't, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, because I had seen it once before, I think kind of the dazzling had worn off and i was just like it's mm-hmm. fine because i, I think but i came like, to it as a curiosity like same. everyone is into this like every what am i missing person, every kid has a frozen backpack parents are exhausted by it i know that this song is popular but i've never actually even heard it mm-hmm. what is the deal like this is like a die in the wool hard as nail hard as nails it's a musical ass musical yes is i think like the attraction to yes. it and like it is a classic musical and like i think people really go for it mm-hmm. and i respect it like cool but like yeah. there are other disney animation studios films that i like more than that like to compare that with like the story of toy story and how mm. it had toy story has a lot of heart and has like a bigger ensemble cast i don't know it just the story is kind of the weakest part of that film it looks amazing the music is great mm-hmm. i guess girls have really gotten into those characters but the story itself is kind of like, eh. Like, uh, for a while there, like, there, there were two, there are two legs of, like, the Disney machine that makes, mm. like, animated movies. Mm. There's Pixar, mm. and then there's Disney Animation Studios. Mm-hmm. And Pixar does, like, of course, everything that we know, like, you know, Coco yes. and Toy Story and all mm-hmm. that. And Disney Animation Studios does, like, you know, Big Hero 6 mm-hmm. and Frozen and Moana and all that stuff. And now it's, like, so hard to tell the difference, I think, um, because, like, the, of the look of these things. But... Like, Disney Animation Studios had to prove themselves yes. as, like, this is us taking on 3D animation, and, like, this is us, like, really doing it. I feel like they didn't have that that hit they wanted until they got to Frozen. Yeah. And when they hit it with Frozen, it's like, well, we have carte blanche. Now we are on par with the studio that we kind of bought. Yeah. Like, yes, we are toe-to-toe, neck-to-neck, like, maybe more successful money-wise with Frozen, for sure. I think Pixar is just, they're just better storytellers. Oh, yeah. I agree. And then they have the animation on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was just kind of interesting. Do I kind of want to see 
the new movie. Oh, I'm curious. A little bit. Because it looks like there are monsters and I got excited. It looks very much like I'm using my powers to defend my kingdom kind of thing. Like, I'm, why does that, what does that mean? I'm curious. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I might find myself in a theater surrounded by seven-year-old girls one day. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, okay. Assignments. I watched. Should I go first? Because I didn't finish mine. Go! Sure. <laughs> <laughs> So you asked me to watch Rocky Balboa, which I forgot about until today. <laughs> um, I did watch the first 25 minutes of it. Okay. It's a real old man's movie, Jason. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> At one point, Sylvester Stallone, when someone asked what happened to his wife, he says that she got woman cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get that out without stumbling. Because <laughs> he says, in all seriousness, woman cancer. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like, Sylvester, you seem like a relatively sensitive man. <laughs> you can talk about these things. It's okay. <laughs> Come on. Like, I feel like he doesn't know the word ovarian. No. So he can't say it, that character. So it's just like. Uh, you know that the the woman can't like it. Just feels like that's it shows you like his level of knowledge and intelligence. Yeah. So it's less like I'm limited in this way. I'm better at other things. His comfort zone is very limited. Yeah. And so that was outside of his comfort zone for sure. Yeah. And it just it was a little jarring, but he seems like a nice guy. So it just. It can be a little charming almost because mm-hmm. like, oh, you kind of remind me of my dad who whatever, quote, women's issues comes up. He goes, oh, oh OK, that's just for you girls. And he walks away. <laughs> if someone even mentions the word period, it's like, ah, how about those Yankees? You're just like, oh, Jesus Christ, dad, come on. Um, I feel like my dad would love this movie. Um, and I, you know, at first I was like, oh, boy, this is really... this is just the fact that it opens with people yelling his name like chanting his name Mm -hmm. and it it can kind of seem like quite narcissistic Mm -hmm. um which i mean i would imagine most actors are to a certain degree to be able to put yourself out there but um that was softened pretty quickly by him kind of being a very sweet guy and going to his wife's grave and blah, blah, blah. Um, until I realized that is Polly his father-in-law? No, that's his brother-in-law. Okay. I was like, Polly is a little, uh, <laughs> I was going to say crankly. That's not the word to describe someone. <laughs> He's a bit commercially. And then I thought it was just his buddy. Oh, no. Like, I'm like, oh, you're going on like a tourist view of your wife's life and you're dragging this poor man with you and it's his sister like of course he doesn't want to be here (laughs) jesus christ rocky come on um it's just i don't know how the rest of the movie goes it's just Mm -hmm. kind of living in the past and coming to terms with it and being able to move forward um it was it was actually like fine Mm -hmm. but you have to tell me like does he? He doesn't end up with little Marie, does he? No. Okay, thank God. Not at all. Oh, like, Jesus Christ. Oh, like, oh, Jason. I was like, <laughs> oh, please, no. Oh, this is, oh, please don't be weird. 
Okay. Like, it doesn't even come off like a will you won't they kind of thing. It just very much becomes like, a oh, we are just sweet friends. Relationship. Like, you're someone that I knew as a kid, and I'm trying to help you through like what seems to be a really hard time in mm. your life. Like, you know, it seems like, you know, you're a single mom. Like, you know, you don't have a job. Like, I'm just trying to help you get through some things because I've been through hard times, too. I'm in a hard time mm. right now. Like, I want to. He wants to connect with people. You see, yeah. more than anything, he just feels oh, so disconnected from people. Yes. Like, people just know him as, like, oh, you're the champ. Yeah, Rocky. Like, and he just doesn't feel that you way. You know, everyone knows you, but you don't know anyone. Yes. It's just, like, really heartbreaking. Yeah. And, like, his son, who Milo Ventimiglia is looking real good. Um, he looks so much younger. And it's well, 2006. when I thought about it, yeah, it's like, oh, it's like, 13 years ago. Like, that's a lot of time. Yeah, he looks really young. Like, yeah. 23, 24. It was also before like he, like, beefed up a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it was very cute. Um, <laughs> and I could see Milo Ventimiglia being like yeah. Sylvester Stallone's kid. Like, totally. There's a similarity of resemblance there a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, his last name is Ventimiglia. Come on. They got the similar mouth snarl. Yes, <laughs> like, and like the side of the mouth yeah. talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was just even like... <laughs> It's very awkward when he's talking to little Marie and she's talking about her son and the, like the two boys are on the corner mm-hmm. and he thinks that her son is the white kid. And she's like, nope, it's the other one is the black kid. And he's just like, ooh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I feel like that's some kind of situation my dad would get into. Like he doesn't mean anything by it, but it's a fair enough assumption. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, Rocky. <laughs> But interesting, though, that you're watching a movie about Rocky called Rocky Balboa, mm. but you've seen zero to, to any boxing in the first yeah, 30 minutes of this movie. Yeah, you only see, um, yeah, just the very opening, mm-hmm. and you don't, I still don't really know what's going on with that younger boxer who's, like, killing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'll finish it or not. Um, I'd say it's worth finishing. Um, it just came to mind because I don't know. I, whenever I think of that movie, and for some reason, a lot of Rocky movies, I just think of cold. Like yes. they're always like outside in the cold. cold. <laughs> like, like he, a in the morning in this montage, he's like getting ready. And I think he dumps a bunch of candy into like a flower pot thing. Oh, he's putting. Like, Is he feeding the birds or something? He's putting shit? food out for the birds and whatnot. It straight up looks like candy, <laughs> like a bag of hard candies. And I was like, Rocky, what are you doing, man? <laughs> he goes from that to going outside and he's fully dressed and then he starts doing pull-ups, but he's in like a felt hat. And I was like, sir, <laughs> do you need help right now? Because you just fed birds candy in like a flower bed and now you're doing pull-ups fully clothed in multiple layers and a hat. He's taken a lot of punches over the 40 like, years oh, of his career man <laughs> let me help you um there's like a in the scene you're talking about he also feeds like two turtles that are in a terrarium that's much too small and i was concerned yeah like he's those are actually his turtles in real life he can afford to get a bigger terrarium <laughs> and also those are the same turtles from the original rocky film from like 1976 oh my god they're 30 year old turtles yeah oh that's very sweet <laughs> Like there was a there was some like little it, fun points of trivia throughout that movie. Like there's an old guy like eating in this restaurant, and there's like that old guy's back again. Oh, it's I almost said scorpion, but that's not his <laughs> Close. name. Close, uh, spider. Spider is what is what his name. But like that's that is the first opponent he ever fights in any of the Rocky films. Oh, that's cool. And, and that's the guy. That's the guy from the very oh, first yeah. scene, the very first movie. Yeah, yeah. Like oh yeah, like no, he's a great guy. Like, that's cool. He lets him eat for free. I don't think that restaurant's making money. <laughs> it you wonder like how is this making money? Because he's constantly letting people eat there for free. <laughs> which is again very sweet yes and you see him like telling his story the same stories over the same people and they at this point know the stories Mm -hmm. um 
it's it's both uplifting and heartbreaking at the same time yeah it does manage to do that very (laughs) sentimental um it reminds me of my dad a lot um i feel like if he could have written a movie it would have been this um yeah it's i was surprised because i was very skeptical especially with the first opening scene where it's very like rocky centric mm-hmm. um and kind of seemingly like egotistical mm-hmm. um and then to actually be like this very sweet guy is nice yeah like uh, i don't know he's one of my favorite film characters hmm. it's just like and he's persisted for now yeah, almost 50 years at this point has his personality going from like the first movie to like the most recent one um has like the a has there been an arc and b does the, has the arc made sense with the character yes um he the idea of like humility has always been a part of that yeah. character being like a, a guy of the people mm-hmm. the only time he ever deviated from that was in the third film where in which his trainer like gets it into his head like you're awesome you're the best in the world you need to train like oh, he's no. feeding him bums basically like to like beat up and oh, like geez. basically like you're a false champion didn't really fight anyone of worth and then mr t comes Uh-oh. and ruins <gasps> him. no way yeah and i then didn't know that's what happens yeah uh ruins him in that movie and then it's like i need to get everything i lost back um, does mr t wear any jewelry in the room oh for sure yes he's <gasps> decked out <laughs> even when he's fighting no not when he's fighting he's oh, fighting okay. he's uh you know just not no jewelry but like oh. in the scenes of like him calling him out and all that stuff decked out to the nines i think i'd be into that <laughs> just, saying. just saying and that's where his friendship with uh apollo creed adonis's creed creed's father uh-huh. really comes into play like a bee like uh he like you know what i'm gonna go to the guy that like took me to the limit i'm gonna be friends with him and train with him. He's going to help me beat Mr. T. Mm. Um, that's like the only like deviation he ever had from the sweet, nice guy he ever was. Wait, so Michael B. Jordan's fictional film father helps Rocky beat Mr. T? Yes. So a lot of worlds coming together, Jason. Yeah. Um, also, Michael B. Jordan's fictional film father is in The Mandalorian. Oh. Wait, who? He is the uh, Mandalorian's like handler. Like gives them all the the guy who gives them the yeah. little uh, pod- the, the best guard and the pucks. Yeah. Ah, okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I'm just thinking about Michael B. <laughs> so we've gotten to where I want to go this whole episode. It's this all is- led to this. Yep. It all comes back. Mm. Um. So yes, your uh, my assignment. Assignment. I watched uh, the girl with all the gifts. Yes. Um, came out in 2016, uh, based on a 2013 uh, novel uh, of the same name. Um, set in a post-apocalyptic future, um, a zombie apocalypse has broken out, all from the uh, a form of fungus, uh, which is a real fungus, um, but doesn't act in the way that it does in this movie. Like it infects uh, a human being and like takes away all their will, essentially just making them a mindless zombie that just wants to eat and consume. Uh, and spread the virus further like the the virus becomes the the person so to speak um this girl doesn't have the same desire to consume like all the other zombies do she's part of several children that are just not immune they do have the virus inside of them they will feed on human flesh but only if like very close to them Mm. and they're part of an experiment where the government of, of britain is trying to like rehabilitate these kids and experiment on them and maybe figure out how to stop this virus from spreading any further um and through the course of the movie like the camp that they're staying at gets broken into and they're trying their best just to survive um the girl the scientists um that kind of runs the camp uh one of the head soldiers and like her teacher 
and it's just like their journey through like England to get to a better place. Mm. Um, it was good. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, <laughs> you thought it was werewolves. I you were so confident that it was did. werewolves. It felt like we had a conversation <laughs> about this at one point. You mentioned something about werewolves, or maybe I just took the ability to smell and like track other people as like a werewolf trait. Maybe it was probably just my common. Uh, theme of just wanting to talk about werewolves <laughs> it comes up sometimes um, <laughs> but yeah it was a uh, surprisingly good action i didn't think it'd be so action-packed mm. um it reminded me a lot of 28 weeks later in some ways mm. um which has the scariest opening of all time for me in anything 28 weeks later i don't think i've seen 28 weeks later. i just all you need to watch is the first 10 minutes it's it's good enough for me um but that aside um girl with all the gifts it was uh it was fun uh i didn't think i'd ever get to see glenn close stab a zombie in the head um definitely check that off the bucket list um cruella deville just living up to her name um um i really like the girl who plays the main character i I didn't write down her name sadly either um when i was reading the book uh she's very sweet in the book and I feel like they got, like, the perfect actress. Like, she looks incredibly sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also an amazing killer. There is something about the character and, like, seeing how it ends and seeing how it starts that just now just is unsettling with me. Yep. Almost is like, oh, you're, like, a predator always, like, kind of studying its prey. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's like, okay, imagine you had a, imagine you told someone, hey, I got this cool cat in my house. Like, come check out my new, my new house cat. But actually, like, that's just a jaguar that you managed to tame <laughs> or you think you've tamed and like right it's right underneath the surface yes so like <coughs> be very careful yeah it's like oh like check my new dog that's a wolf <laughs> that is a full-on wolf that you have mm-hmm. um and it's just very interesting now looking back at it that like it's it, it just feels that the character is always calculating because like she has a genius intellect it seems like she's able to pick things up very quickly and just like understand things very quickly and catch on to things very quickly and it just feels like oh like this is like something that's learning to kill you (laughs) seemingly um learning that she can Mm -hmm. and also yeah like she's she's learning her options yes as they say in jurassic park like when they find out when she finds out that she's at the top of the food chain things could go really badly yes and she is learning that like she's very sweet she's and you know very uh loyal to her teacher mm-hmm. you know and uh very curious about the world but it's like if she ever finds out what she can do mm-hmm. or if she ever does it this is gonna be bad for everybody um yeah there was a sequel a book sequel that um the boy on the bridge from what i understand was called. uh i don't think it's the boy on the bridge it's the boy something um that it's like kind of a prequel almost like going back to like the start yes. of things um boy like um sorry no no it's uh, oh it is the boy on the bridge yeah i'm sorry no it's fine um it's it was a little bit much oh the prequel was like, it just felt like throwing on too much on there like a little bit yeah too much backstory or like too much about the world or it was so long ago that i can't remember it well it was it wasn't as quite as rooted in reality, I don't think, as 
this one mm-hmm. it was like they tried to take this one because it was a pretty successful book and everything obviously they made it to a movie and they just tried to like blow that up right and it's just like okay well that didn't quite work you gotta still keep it a little real i think like the writer of the book um wrote comic books for a long time oh okay and that i was just sense. very surprised at that and um the way that they like had posed it um mm-hmm. Like, hey, the writer is this by M.R. Carey, like, on the yes. cover of the book. It's like, Mike, Mike Carey? Mariah Carey? Like, I don't Mike Carey. <laughs> like, that guy writes comics. Oh. And, like, writes a series of successful comics. So, like, um, Lucifer, which is now a show that was on Fox and on Netflix. He wrote all of that. That was a comic book? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> a good one, too. With Did not amazing see art. that coming. <laughs> Because that guy who plays Lucifer is a little too smiley and sleazy for me. I'm like, I don't trust you. But yes, I do recognize that you're very attractive. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, I wrote Lucifer for a long time. I wrote the uh, Constantine series of comics for a long time. That makes sense. He's got a real dark streak in him, this dark guy. Streak. He wrote a very interesting comic book called The Unwritten, which is about like, uh, it combines kind of the, the real story of Winnie the Pooh and like Harry Potter, the mythos of that. It's like, what if your dad, like, wrote a book about you mm-hmm. and, like, you know, just and wrote all these fantastic stories that are beloved across the world mm-hmm. about your childhood, about how you were a boy wizard. And, you know, as a result, you kind of didn't get to have a childhood. Your dad was never around. And everyone always thinks that you're the character from the books. Oh, that's cruel. But what if it was all real? What if your dad, like, <gasps> all that shit your dad wrote was, like, actual real stories <gasps> and now the world's coming to life and you have to take part in it? When it's, you say the world's coming to life, what do you mean? It's like your dad wrote about all these stuff, like Dementors and all this yeah, crap. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, what if one day a Dementor comes for you? Like, did you know that you, you had these powers? You and that are finding out as you're going. Ooh. <laughs> so he, yeah, Mike Carey has like an interesting series of like you know writing and it's a books. Real gift of the Magi situation. <laughs> it's like, like, oh wow, all this shit's real, and oh my god, I have to actually fight all this shit. And like, you're dad's so successful because of these things but now he's not around Ooh, yeah <laughs> interesting so yeah it was just uh he, but that aside mm. girl of the gifts um patty Constantine was really cool yeah um i keep I love for- it when he pops up into stuff i keep forgetting that he was in hot fuzz like as a oh see i always put him in that <laughs> and then when i see him in like dramatic things i'm like what are you doing here you're a silly goose <laughs> for some reason he was more like his hot fuss character in this than anything else <laughs> i don't know why he plays one of the uh the jerk detectives um he's a detective in um hot fuzz oh in yeah, hot yeah. fuzz gotcha. <laughs> with the uh, the ma- mustaches and sunglasses yes, yes yes but in this it's like oh dude i forgot yeah you were in that okay um but he's, he's a soldier in this right a soldier in this yeah, yeah. and he's uh really good in it um very decisive and it's just like you know what? If I were in an apocalypse, I'd like to have you by my side, Patty Constantine. Seems like you're making some good decisions. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like the ending of that was a bit of a downer. A little, a little dismal. <laughs> um, I can't remember. Um, just spoilers. Um, so at the end of the film, uh, through, through the film, they, they pass a giant tower of mm-hmm. uh, spores right. for this disease that's been affecting humanity. Right. But Glenn Close, you know, makes mention like, well, you know, these are like, this is a really bad design like you know it's a terrible disease but like these spores really can't get out like you know like you knock it on something like these don't even like open a coconut. like a coconut almost it's like you'd have to like have immense heat to release this stuff hmm. so she mentions that and they go along um the girl after like you know glenn close tries to experiment on her mm-hmm. she gets away glenn close winds up getting killed by like you know his other murderous children um oh yeah and the girl like I think goes those kids come back yeah they do um 
the girl goes to the tower um and just lights that sun bitch on fire yeah and it's like nope we're the future us infected children we are the future this is the next step of humanity um us blood sucking the little kids are creepy the little kids are very creepy they, if they're middle of the movie is like a lord of the fly situation yep where like they go into this town and like it's run by like children like the main girl mm-hmm. but they are uh feral, feral. As fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah and she like beats one of them in single combat with a baseball bat and i'm always very curious where do baseball bats come from in, in england like why are they there oh it should have been like a cricket bat but consistently in many british things baseball bats appear and it's like why this can be used for nothing else but a weapon in this country <laughs> you don't have baseball that's true i never thought of that like it always just like it always throws me off but um it's a really gruesome scene where she kills this child um with her herself being a child um but yeah the movie ends on a real down note of like ooh, this is kind of like some iron legend stuff uh the book not the movie yes um it's like ooh, okay so this is the future of humanity vampire kids or mutant zombie kids being taught by gamma arterton who's in a box and she has a real bad existence after this point i think she's just i don't remember anything she gets locked in a glass box at the end of it Mm -hmm. uh by the girl and all the spores are outside she comes outside she's going to be infected so she has to stay in like this containment unit basically Mm -hmm. with like limited supplies and like limited everything and just her life is now in this box teaching these children how to be people boof yeah oh she's a teacher she's a teacher yeah yeah oh i didn't recognize that was her when it came out mm-hmm. yeah 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 it's a it's a real downer <laughs> yep but yeah that's that movie <laughs> um i like that it's not like not that i like that it's a downer but it's not necessarily what you would expect for the ending. no not at all which is kind of nice Mm-mm. i like being surprised um uh do i have an assignment for you am i looking at my bookshelf again to see if i can be inspired by anything <laughs> yes i am uh do you have anything for me uh, i had two options for you maybe um one's a comedy um one is post-apocalyptic drama <gasps> sorry two very handsome men <gasps> give me both and i'll f- decide what i want <laughs> okay. or do you want to just give me one um i'll give you both you could decide which one you want these okay. are two wildly different movies um one is from uh 1991 one of my favorite fun teen comedies class act starring kid and play oh my god um the other one is the rover um starring robert pattinson and uh guy pierce oh yes you know when that first came out i was very intrigued Mm -hmm. and then i just never saw it much like the movie with chris pine and ben what's his face that also was like, ooh, this looks oh, like a that good one. drama, and then I never saw mm-hmm. it. Um, yes. Ben Foster, and I forget yes. the name of the movie exactly. I saw it this past summer. Mm. It's really good. Yeah. Okay. Oh, boy. That's that's a comedy in a hard place. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll decide and surprise you. We'll see. We'll see. Both of these are on Netflix right now. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, what do I want you to watch, Jason? Have you read the book Neverwhere? Um, I've not read the book Neverwhere. I'm aware of it. Uh, that's um, what's his face? Neil uh, Gaiman, right? Mm-hmm. There's a like radio teleplay that they did of it. Mm-hmm. That's really cool, and it has not too much limited Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm. James- I have no issue with Benedict Cumberbatch. 
You can be a little bit much sometimes. <laughs> um, James McAvoy. Oh, okay. Um, the smirky girl from Game of Thrones. Okay, Natalie Dormer. Yes, thank you. Um, it's got an amazing cast of amazing actors, but it's like you just listen to it. Okay. I've been trying to get people to listen to it for years. <laughs> people are not taking me up on it, Jason. I've been speaking of people putting earphones on them and then just playing this from a phone. And they don't like it for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> um, I go on the train and like I put down my boombox and I say, it's showtime, everybody. And then I play this. And just sit down quietly <laughs> instead of flailing around, almost getting like, kicking people in the face. I play it. And then when it comes to the next stop, I'll put out a hat and ask for money. No one gives me money. <laughs> Um, I, if I could track it down, I might have you listen to that because I think it's really good and it's like really highly produced. Mm-hmm. Um, is it okay that it's not something that you're watching? It's, it's fine. It, it's observable through other methods than my eyes, which is fine. Perfect. Um, I, I imagine YouTube may have something. What's it called? Is it called it's Neverwhere? It's called Neverwhere. Okay. Um, I know I have it on my, like iTunes or something, so mm-hmm. I can try to figure out how to get it to you. Okay. It's really fun. All right. Like, um, yeah, there's some new gaming things out there that I definitely want to check out that have been made mm. into actual things. Like Stardust from like 10 years ago or something uh, like that. Yeah. I keep hearing that from a lot of people. Like, I've never seen it. Like. It's just because it's about love. <laughs> and I saw Robert De Niro on a pirate ship and I was like, I'm out. It seems whimsical. And I'm very curious yeah. of why Robert De Niro is there. You don't seem to, a man of whimsy. He's not. I, <laughs> so. think. I think I started to read the book... And I was like, "Bech, love." Mm-hmm. I started to watch the movie, and I was like, "Bech, love," and I just gave up. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, it seemed very dreamlike, and Neil Gaiman is a good dude at writing things about dreams that feel dreamlike. So, yep, I'm. I would dreams. like to check it out. Dreams. <laughs> he had a dream. <laughs> it was different than Martin's. <laughs> um, but no, I cool. will check out Neverwhere. I'll try to find it. Excellent. All right, we've got our stuff. Uh, thanks for listening. Mm. Uh, thanks for going through another year with us. Uh, oh, yeah. We're probably going to take a little break between now and New Year's. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be back in like probably the, like the second week of January. Yeah. So to all of you out there, happy holidays. Yay. And have a happy new year. Yeah. Enjoy 2020. The future. <laughs> so we'll see you. Bye.